Welcome to the Fan Engagement Chat, the episode of the Fan Engagement Pod where we hear about someone's approach to fan engagement. This is a chat with Ryan McKnight, CEO of the North of England Football Academy, former Stockport County Chief Executive and advisor to a whole series of clubs. He's also ex-editor of FC Business Magazine. Ryan has been thinking a lot about the relationship between fans and clubs and how that manifests itself in the practical as well as emotional sense. We talk about the mistakes clubs make in marketing, how loyalty is always defined by a negative experience and why season tickets are outdated. As Ryan says, the relationship with your club is going to be the longest you'll have in your life, so it's vital, it's done right. It's a really fascinating and absorbing tour of the issues from someone who's thought very deeply and read very widely. Don't forget you can find out how your club did in the Fan Engagement Index at fanengagement.net where you can also register for free for the Fan Engagement Hub if you want access to more detailed data and case studies from the 1920 Index. And please like, subscribe and share. It really does help our visibility. Enjoy the show. You were, you were editor of FC Business Magazine, right? Mm, um, that's right, yeah. Now, from my memory of you, you you kind of turned up to a publication that was, you know, it was a it was a decent enough publication for football. Um, but the thing that you did, I seem to recall, was you started saying, well, actually, we should be talking about what goes on in the industry, what works, what doesn't work, listening to some of the people who make it up, the stakeholders. And that's when I started writing a column um, mm. Uh, for supporters direct and that continued on well after you left in fact the FSA got one and the FS the FSF as was got one and they now write one on behalf of the merged organization um a lot I mean there were lots of stuff there was stuff about football finance in the state of the game um and there were issues that people weren't really talking about outside of um supporters direct and, and sort of a niche group of um a sort of policy wonks and you know people who were really concerned about the state of football and you know now we fast forward to where we are now and it's now conversation obviously for all sorts of reasons including the fan-led review but that's how I know you and um, do you want to just sort of tell us what you've been you know tell us a little bit about that and tell us about what you've been doing in the last I don't know did you leave FC Business in what 2010, 2011 oh. or something? Oh. Maybe a little bit before. Yeah, it seems a long time ago. I'm, I'm certain of that. But yeah, you, you're absolutely right. I think, um, I mean, FC Business was started really um, on the back of the Football Foundation being created. Um, and in the year it existed prior to my arrival, um, you know, it was just about, you know, a sort of B2B sort of matchmaking service, really. Um, but uh, you're also dead right to identify that at the time um football business football politics wasn't really um on the radar of anybody um at the time um there was really only i think ourselves and journalists say like david khan that were were writing in 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 the space and i certainly identified that that not only was it interesting but it was imperative that 
we started to get a sense of what best practice looked like. And, and you know, certainly the first two, three years of my life, um, of, of, of my life at FC Business was about meeting people like yourself, you know, your, the organisation you were at the time, all the clubs, and trying to get a sense of, of, of what best practice looked like. And what became very apparent very quickly is that that's not an exercise that had really been done. Um, and on an individual club to club basis, uh, it wasn't something that was understood internally um, as well. And I was just learning. I was just learning. You know, I was pretty much starting from a scratch position as well, but was in a really fortunate position where the first two or three years of that existence was going from club to club, <laughs> organisation to organisation, lots of coffees, lots of lunches. And, and finding out what was working, what, what wasn't working. So it was, a, it was a great time for me, a great, unique opportunity to, to try and get a sense of uh, what was going on in the industry and as what has eventually developed into the ideas that they sort of still developing today in terms of what are the governing dynamics of our industry? What, what actually makes it tick on a fundamental level? Um, uh, and and since then, you know, I've, I've I've been in practice as well. I've held um, you know some really good positions at a number of clubs, Stockport County, Port Vale, Wolves. You know, I've I've worked um, on a consultative basis right throughout um, all four divisions. Um, uh, uh, and 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 really, a bit like yourself, Kevin. It's it's only if you've really been at the coalface um, of clubs that you are really only able to benchmark whether the ideas that you have about whether or not this is right or wrong is actually appropriate. Um, there is so much uh, white noise uh, about football, football clubs. Um, and, you know, I don't think it is patronising to say that unless you've really experienced what it's actually like, um, you know, within the vaults of, 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 of a club, it's really hard to, to, to comprehend. And that doesn't make football special. It doesn't make football special in, in, in any sense. You know, you and I have got absolutely no idea what it's like to be an orthopedic surgeon. We can have a guess. You know, we've watched plenty of uh, episodes of Casualty. Um, but in terms of what's really going on, what's the really dynamics within that industry, we don't know. We, 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 we don't know. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I've, 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 you know, I've spent certainly the last 10 years working, working in the game right throughout Europe, right throughout all the disciplines in the game. I own, um, I co-own a, a big private football academy in, in, in Yorkshire. Um, but a big part of my work has been devoted into, into understanding fandom, the, the, the nature um, of, of fandom and the big question that you know, a lot of my work is around now is, you know, what's it all about? What's it all about, Kev? This is the longest experience we're going to have, um, the longest um, partnership, the longest uh, relationship that we're going to have in our lives, the relationship that you have with your club. It's going to outlive your marriage, outlive, you know, what, what you, your relationship with your kids. And how do we go about measuring that? What is a good experience of, of being a fan? What is a bad experience of, of, of being a fan? I don't think that that is something we are anywhere near answering. Um, and I think that, um, but it's absolutely the thing that we should be focusing on. Um, and I think the things that are being talked about now, some of which you and I are involved in, um, for me, these are all secondary issues to that, to that central question. And until we get a grips of, 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 of that question then how can we act with any certainty um, around anything else 
What do you mean by that then, Ryan? Because that's all a bit philosophical for this podcast. Like, yeah. It's not. Yeah. I'll, I'll stop. No, I'll stop there. It's philosophical. That, that's why you're on, on here. I don't know why on earth I said that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a very philosophical point. More that had gone unpack it a little bit. Tell us what yeah. you're talking about. It, you're absolutely right to say that it, that it edges into the philosophical because I feel that that's the most appropriate and only place you can go to to try and tackle this question. But you have to try and do that or you have to at least explain why it needs to go in that direction um, uh, uh, in, in an objective way. And uh, so, so here's, here's the reality of, 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 where, of where we are. On a season-by-season season basis, 50% of clubs see a reduction in attendance. The only actual marker... The only actual marker for a consistent attendance increase is through playing success. Okay, so the notion of that being a singular strategy as comes with all sorts of all sorts of problems. Um, the uh, prevalence of intergenerational support, our kids' support in the teams that we support, is diminishing. The overall percentage of the population that is going to games is diminishing um, and uh, the nature of our clubs have absolutely changed but they've only changed in line with the rest of the changes in society so you know places towns and cities have become homogenized so have our clubs so have our clubs the vast vast majority of our clubs are not a reflection of the place that they that they are from um, and what you really need to do in order to try and understand why it needs to go in that philosophical direction, why you need to understand why these things are going on, is that you're dealing with human beings. When we talk about supporters, we talk about fans, they are human beings. And what we've absolutely not done as an industry, and again, football is not the only industry to blame here, is that do we really understand how human beings work? Do we understand how loyalty works on a biological, neurological level um, within human beings? The answer is the answer is no. The answer is no. We, 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 don't, we don't know that. But these are the questions that we need to tackle. We absolutely need to tackle that. And why do we need to tackle that? Because going back to the point you made there, we have to answer this sort of philosophical question of what is the point of it? What's the... What's the experience? What's it worth? But for me, Kev, asking the question, what's a good experience of fandom? That's the same question of, uh, as, as what is a good life? Mm. You know, what, is a, what is a good life? You know, this is going to be the longest relationship in your life. To somehow separate that out of life is, is absolutely um, remiss. All the opportunities that being a football fan brings in terms of the things you can learn about yourself the things you can learn about each other the things that you can learn about the place that you are from having a relationship with the place that you're from these are all things about your life and how you're going to spend your life so it's a very I, you know i'm absolutely consciously aware that the ideas and the things that i talk about um do separate me out um and put me at a distance from sort of other thinkers and commentators in the area. Um, but again, I say I object, I try and objectify it by saying, <laughs> look at what is going on in terms of attendance. Well, let, let's just quickly, um, let, you know, um, 
you are you you're 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 definitely someone who doesn't who who says you know, when you start talking about the actual the way the the brain works and we took yeah. we spoke a little bit about this anyway before the podcast um when we had a chat the other day but mm. the thing about all of this is even if um you're not um particularly prepared to go into neurological and biological and physiological processes to understand literally the the body's processes in and the brain's processes in in, in processing issues like loyalty yep. the thing is that there are countless sociological studies um even down to things like the behavior of political parties and political movements then you know um expanding out into the the movements that i've been involved in in football um you know it's absolutely undeniable that football um and and other clubs let's just say but let's just talk about football for now because it's an area we know best of all um that that the, the issue that the things that cause you to follow a club are about i would say about the visceral about the relational they're all about things that they're, they're, they're the substantial things that we often can't measure and actually to some extent i don't think we should be measuring i don't think you need i don't think that's that's necessary i think it is about humanity and and their relationship with um with themselves and people and how they feel about where they're from and i often will um will will, will relate to this because you know i haven't lived where i was born for 38 years you know where i was brought up in wimbledon park yeah um and in that area and it was a very different area when i grew up there it was a working class enclave and then you moved across to wimbledon park from Oldsfield to, to to if you could afford to buy a house now it's a totally different place, and yet I still have a loyalty. I don't go back to the to the um, to, to, to the old supermarket in the high street or what well, Barry Louvain tattoos, right? If I wanted a tattoo, I remember Barry Louvain tattoos in Garrett Lane. I don't go there to get a tattoo. I've got a tattoo. I went to the one in Brighton because that's where I lived at the time. Yeah, I still keep going back, although obviously for years I couldn't go to Plough Lane. I still keep going back, yeah. and and not and worse still, even more ridiculous. Um, when you know we then we then have to go through this mad process of reforming a football club because our league place got given away and then we we return to the place where it all started and that if that doesn't tell you something and it doesn't tell you that actually this thin rather thin concept of football as a sporting enterprise even if even if you acknowledge the business model has to be different but if all you do is examine it as an entertainment enterprise it's a very thin concept and actually very brittle and it doesn't withstand much interrogation, does it? So, you know, there are lots of there. There's so much evidence out there, Ryan, isn't there? So, just yeah. what I mean, what I'm interested in, because I think we're probably going to have to have more, chat, more chats about this and explore it further. But what I'm interested in is, you know, you worked across, you know, quite a few clubs, um, and and dare I say it, I think at least one of those experiences, probably several, weren't weren't what I would call positive. I think you were kind of honed in the fire a bit at someone like Stockholm. Mm. That was a tough, and I'm, you know, this is from what I saw and knew at the time. That was a tough, tough job. Yep. And really hard because the club was really, really um, uh, on its uppers and you were struggling, I think, I think, to keep things afloat at times. Yep. Why didn't you just walk away? Why have you persisted with this? Is this, is this, are you being a bit like me, bloody-minded point to prove I know this isn't, this doesn't have to be like this. Is that what you yeah. think? Yeah, I, I, I think it's, um, I, I, just going back to your previous point, um, 
it's it's interesting, isn't it? And and I'll relate this into your to, to your second question. It's interesting that we don't have a definition for what a football club is. Um, it's a rather sort of subjective. If we asked a hundred people, we'd get a lot of different different answers. Um, and you know, for my penny's worth, you know, why why do football clubs exist? For me, football clubs exist as the only place that you can go to be patriotic about either where you're from or where a traditional lineage ends in your life, you know, continues in your life. That, that, that's, why, that's why it exists. And that's how you're going to spend time with family and friends. And done properly, you've got the opportunity to learn a lot of life lessons um, in, in there as well. But, you know, you try going into the local, you know, I'm a Wolves fan, you know, try going into the local Asda and being patriotic about having an attachment to the black country, you're going to get chucked out. You're going to get chucked out. So how do we have relationships with the place that we're from? There aren't many vehicles and football clubs are, are, are the principal ones. And secondly, the team that you support is pretty, you know, it's pretty much the only tradition people have got left in their lives. You know, my dad, his dad, so on and so forth. Um, so it's the real sort of last bastion of um, uh, traditions that we have in a, in a modern in a modern Britain. And I think that's just a really underdeveloped conversation and something that we don't have. And if we do have that position of that is the reason why this football club exists, then all of the other conversations that we're seeing now start to really become really, you know, boxed off in a, in a better place, thinking, well, actually, this is really detached from what this is meant to be all about. Um, but, but going into your sort of second question is I've really only developed these thoughts about it going back to my previous point in the sense of yes i've had some really chastising experiences um at, at football clubs but it's it was in those moments it was in those the worst possible moments that i the penny really dropped that it really dropped for me and and i know you in your previous roles as well have, have been in these um high conflict uh high pressure situations um and it's it's only in those moments that you can really absorb what i'm talking about the governing dynamics what's really going on what's really important you take the stockport example for uh, it, you know as, as 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 a good example um you know on, on one on one way there like we absolutely failed you know um the club was relegated um, and uh, it, and you're right. It was a it was a, a very very difficult time. What I did realise though was that my principal job was to uh, keep the club going, keep the club in existence. That completely outweighed um, whether or not the club was going to stay stay up or be relegated. And I talk about it. You know, to this day, the relegation in in many ways. Um, uh, actually helped the club survive um, and uh, and has obviously sort of bounced back um, in, in recent years um, as well. But there were a few incidences that were really, you know, pinned towards me. And I realised that um, uh, I, what I realised was is that clubs can't manifest themselves. They can't manifest themselves and say, you're hurting me or can you please stop? doing this or actually this notion that we're going to go and have playing success it's it's based on a fantasy it's disney please stop doing this to me so there has to be a narrative 
from somebody or a collection of people that enables us to keep what is a really important um, uh, social uh, organization um, uh, going. And in general, we've been pretty good at that in this country. Um, we've got lots of clubs in difficulty, but we actually see very few liquidations, total liquidations. Um, but um, but things uh, things are changing. But but, but right, they, we, yeah, I was going to say that that just that pick up on that point of we you know we lose few. I mean, at the heart of the football and the rules of football, just so people listening understand, in England are essentially. As long as you end, you know, this is one of the governing principles, really, is as long as um, a league ends the season with the clubs it started with, that's deemed uh, on the basic level a success. And that yeah. sounds perverse, but that is basically one of the governing sort of principles. But the thing about why they've not disappeared is a story about that loyalty, right? And that and that refusal to allow them to, you know, that, that loyalty born of, of place, and relationship isn't it and the reason and actually aren't we talking about here um i'm not referring specifically to yourself mm. aren't we talking about here the fact that for years fans have kind of been saying that and they keep and literally some in some cases keep saying don't do this to our to our club and the people on the other side are so caught up in the moment and in the day-to-day and it's not fault and blame, it's just mm. dynamics and how it works, yeah. that they're not hearing that, are they? Hi, I'd just like to introduce you to Match Day Digital, the world's first football-first digital magazine platform, bringing together premium paid content from clubs' Match Day programmes, popular football magazines, newspapers and high-quality fan-produced fanzines. What a list. It gives access to a bigger choice of content for fans and for publishers, a far wider audience than would normally be available through their own print editions or digital offerings. You can download the app via Google Store and Apple Store, or you can use the native web app. Go to matchdaydigital.com for more. And if you're a club or publisher, drop MDD a line. They're a lovely bunch, and I'm sure they'd love a chat with you about your needs. And I think this is this next sort of sentence from me is where I really do separate myself out from from everybody. Um, And to give it some context, the reason why I say it is not to attack fans, um, but it's to go back to that original question. What is the best version of fandom? What is the best experience of fandom? Um, So, first of all, loyalty. Forget football. There is not there is not an agreed upon definition of loyalty in the world of academia, in the world of marketing, in the world of loyalty. There's many that have had had a go. I've just read a a really good book um, uh, around in the area, and I think. Everybody that's had a stab at it in terms of a football context, I think they've all got it wrong. And I'll I'll explain why. People talk about loyalty as the act of doing something. You know, it's the act of sticking with it or or whatever. I don't think loyalty ever exists in the positive. Loyalty only ever is seen or tested in the negative. So for me, loyalty is the act of not, not doing something. And the double negative is really, really important because loyalty is when there is either a publicly perceived better option or you are conscious of a better option, you you don't do it. 
you continue to you continue to do the thing that you know is causing you grief and pain and uh, uh and this is where we've got to be really concerned in football because some of the data that's coming out of um relegated clubs in fact, I'm part of a, a, a report on um, uh, attendances and loyalty that's that's coming out in a couple of months. If you look at if you look at some of the data that's coming out of that, um, it's matching some of the changes that we see in society. That actually, as soon as it's not shiny, as soon as it's not the halo effect, as soon as it's not status, I'm going to distance myself from it. Um, and uh, and and in this group. I am I am calling out fans. I am saying that society and football has created a situation where um, fans fans have not been educated to what the best possible experience of this relationship that they're going to have for 60, 70 years. So I see I've took some great screen grabs over the last few weeks of um, uh, teams of some big clubs. Um, on one hand, saying that they've signed the petition for governance change and we don't want the Super League, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then a day later saying, well, the club's got to break the bank to sign Harry Kane. Um, and, and this is where I get provocative because I think we've got a big chunk of supporters in this country that I would define as low caliber. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's a reflection of society. Society's become, we've had 20 years of X Factor, we've had lots of years of social media. It's about status. It's about status. That's what it's about. It's not about longevity. It's not about tradition. Um, and people, you can see this visually. You can see this visually, Kev. Where I live up in the Northeast, there are, there are oxymoron situations. There are dads with a Sunderland top on and children with a PSG top on. They are not having the best experience of fandom that they could have. They're having a lesser experience of fandom to what their dad had, to what their granddad had. And this is the conversation that we should be having. Whether or not we need financial restructuring, new governance, for me, these are all symptoms, symptoms of a principal problem. And until we understand the principal problem um, and get everybody on board with, with that, then we can't act with certainty to the things that we're trying to we're trying to affect um, uh, for, further up up the tree. And and yes, to go back to your other point, this is a really philosophical point. But what's more, what's more philosophical about um, you know something that you're going to have a 60, 70, potentially eighty yeah. year relationship with? It, you, we have to think about it like that. Um, can, I cut, can I cut in there and just say? Uh, I think. I think. The, I mean. I think there probably is a better phrase than low caliber, but I get your point. It's not. It's not. It's not an insult to those individual to those individuals. But actually, one of the problems, of course, is that when you then have um, the essential sort of front end of of fans when it comes to what the club, who the club deals with, is often going to be the activists. And the activists will be saying, "Look, you've got to start thinking about this stuff longer term. You can't keep doing it." not even season by season, you can't keep going transfer window to transfer window and expecting to, to, to run the football club in that way. You've got to remember these people have had loyalty to their club for all these years, it's through their family and then, and then someone, you know, then, then of course, 
um, the, 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 quite often you'll find the club or the club or its representatives will say, "Yeah, but you know, I know everyone wants the next, you know the next biggest transfer." Well, you know the, the, that that's that that puts those people in the middle who who kind of chose to be there because they understood the dynamics and they understand they understand if they don't put it exactly the same way you do, but they understand the nature of loyalty and the institution and the relationship, and they're stuck in between people who. Actually, I would say kind of don't have the don't have the level of obsession that we all do. Don't have the time to sit and ponder it because most people don't. It's the same with politics, and they're, and they're in the middle of these very thoughtful people being pushed around by these two forces. And actually, why is it important? Because actually, it is important how we view our institutions. It is important, regardless of whether you're left or right. It's important how we regard government it's important how we regard schooling and education and universities and and all sorts of things isn't it and perhaps at the moment we're having much more we are as a as, as a country as a world as well in many respects but you know speaking about this country we're having a we're well we need lots of conversations about how we feel about the things that matter or or are supposed to matter or maybe shouldn't matter, or used to matter to us, aren't we? You're absolutely spot on, and 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 it's it's this regression, isn't it? It's this regression of um, of us as a society um, in terms of wanting to think deeply about these uh, issues, um, and you know, it's it's this is why we need to understand. We don't need to speculate. We need to understand what goes on within the human brain because it's all you know i you know by no means my biologist and neurologist but there's you can you can learn you can you can teach yourself about what is going on and how the how the brain and the limbic part of your brain absorbs um uh, absorbs value values it's you know the the pr principal decision maker of all of all actions um, and uh, and and it has no capacity for language. You know, it's why we say it's a good decision, or that didn't feel right, or you know, uh, you could offer somebody free beer for life, but if they were on the religious disposition, they wouldn't be interested in it. Um, so it, it is it is such a fundamental issue. It is so fundamental um, that um, understanding the fact that those conversations haven't have happened, and you know what we've got is a is an um, uh, is a is a sort of unconscious um, uh, uh, fan base that aren't aware of their own failings. And I say it's not. I do not put the blame on these people individually, but the reality is is that um, uh, they set the narrative. And this is the big taboo in football: is that supporters are bubble wrapped. They are bubble wrapped in um, only being a positive. They are only a positive for the for, for the game. Um, the reality is, the reality is, is that fan bases set the tone. Okay, can I, can I just chip in here, right? I've 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 had um, over the years gone. I've gone from being in a position where um, I I wouldn't say I was in the opposite corner to what you're saying, and I'm certainly not in the opposite and in your corner now in full in fully, yeah. but. I've I've gone on a bit of a journey over the years where, um, um, where I where I saw what was going on um, at my own club and at other clubs, 
and um, and said to myself, look, the only arbiters, the only people who actually seem to to care about this are fans. And what I've what I've understood over the years is that um, you can't always assume everyone has the same levels of obsession with something as everyone else. That actually, as well, a lot of the responses you get from clubs, you know, they're they're they're, they're people trying to make decisions fast under great pressure. That the, the the pressure does sometimes come from fans, but the bit that I suppose where I kind of draw my line, and I think it's a reasonable line. I don't think you disagree with me. Is when when clubs say the fans, you know, and I am parodying when clubs, some clubs and people who own and run them say, well, the fans have kind of made me do it. My response to that is, well, you do have a choice. However, that's for me. That's where if you want to kind of talk about how you regulate structure in response to the way that, that all those governing dynamics as you say that's where you have limits on spending that's where you have you know you don't allow a club to sell their ground um they have to retain it under ownership of the football club yeah. and that kind of, that's why you have rules and regulations isn't it yeah but two put two points two points there first of all and, and i know you know i'm well conscious that it, it's quite a cold way that i am categorizing fans as sort of low medium and high caliber and all three exist in every single club and and you're absolutely right that it is those what i would define high caliber fans when they see sort of financial stresses or other stresses on their club um uh, they are the ones to try and motivate some some change it's often those people that um you would act also see uh, acting in a mo most sort of loyal perspective as well so they'll continue to go they'll continue to participate even through those difficult difficult times um and, it, and again you know i objectify that through you know some of the experiences um that that, that i have had firsthand as, as 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 well but we have nowhere near a tipping point and i'm sure you'll agree with that that still the vast majority with still a big percentage of uh, fans fit into other categories um where actually when the going gets tough um they try and promote change and we want we want change and that 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 narrative that that narrative setting um uh, that is then amplified by media um uh, that then feeds into um what i would also say is a is a generally um uh, you know an ownership structure that again does not understand the governing dynamics of of what is what is going on um uh, it, within within our game and which is why we continue to see you know just just one example for example one example is manager tenure uh, well there's some there is some unbelievable research about how changing your manager makes pretty much zero difference to your average points total within the medium term. But I've been thinking about this quite a lot in and, and player tenure as well is 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 a, a remarkably low level. You know, when you and I were growing up, Kev, the, the testimonials would be a fairly regular, regular thing. Um, they've pretty much gone. They've pretty much gone. And this has legitimized choice this is legitimized choice making within the fan base. If the clubs themselves don't act in a loyal way, if the clubs themselves don't have longevity within it, then that 
subconsciously legitimizes the potential for choice within the fan base. Well, and, we, and, and we repeat, human beings will, will sort of naturally, um, because of, you know, it's, it's, it's trends, it's what marketing picks up on and advertising understands. And I think exploits sometimes, you know, yes, it's always the advantage of the people that are marketing or advertising, but sometimes in a very cynical fashion. And I think that when it comes to football, um, that it gets painted as um, um, it gets painted in this way that they, they talk about the loyalty and the tribalism of fans and how wonderful it is. Yeah. But all they're doing is they're, they're sort of just reinforcing the problem that, I mean, and ultimately, I don't blame, um, I don't, I, I think a lot could be done if people thought more um, uh, long term about things and didn't see it all as a marketing and sales issue in return on investment. Uh, yeah, I, I, so, so, I sorry, so, sorry, sorry to cut across you there. You, you, make, a, you make a great point. And, um, and, and, and a great example of that is season tickets, Kev. So why is, it, why is it that on an annual basis, clubs have to resell the concept of being a fan? Yeah. <laughs> does, the, uh, uh, does the Catholic Church do that? You know, no, it doesn't. We got to December. It's time to remind you uh, that your season ticket for your pew is up. You now need to renew, and you've got three. Do you know? I'm going to chuck this one in, and we talked about it when, when, when we, when we spoke mm. a, week, a week or so back. And I, and I think you quite like the idea, and it might have even been in your mind already. Was I remember talking to Lee Strafford, who I always really liked, and yeah. I very, very occasionally talked to him um, when he was running Sheffield. When he ran Sheffield Wednesday, and I think in some ways he probably went through a kind of burnishing phase, like you, where he really learned something um, about what he was doing, and he now, he, he now, he set up Talk Talk. That was his background. Yeah. Took it to market. He's a tech. He's a. He's essentially kind of lead tech entrepreneurs to you know and helps to create tech businesses. But he said at the time, he said not that long ago, and it's put that a bit long ago actually when I did my diploma about five years ago in public relations. And he said, I don't know why clubs don't have subscriptions. So you're just paying a tenner a month, fifteen pounds, whatever it is a month, rolling all the time. Everything's wrapped up in it. You can chuck a piece of merchandising into that because. That that's sort of part of what you would you would you would do anyway. That you that you wrap it up in that, and and he said he was it always confused him why, you know why we were still insisting on these things called season tickets. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it, 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 and it also takes a lot of time up. Yeah, absolutely, it takes a it takes a yeah it it takes a massive amount of time, um, yeah. energy, and actually when you look at um, how uh, modern clubs market as well. It is uh, to, to somebody you know like, like, like myself. I find it painful. I find it painful. So the first thing that they generally tend to do is they tend to use imagery of the current crops of players, yeah. and they use imagery um, around goals or a celebration. Um, and well, let me tell you what goes on in the brain. That's the expectation that you put into the brain at that point. Um, uh, uh, you know, I, I won't men I won't mention the club, um, but um, there's a there's a there's a, there's a club in the in in the northwest, and when you get to the ground, um, there is uh, a, a, an enormous picture of uh, an extremely well-known player lifting the pinnacle of of, of our domestic game um, uh, uh, trophy in front of it, and you know, I've said that you've got to get that down. You've got to get that down. Yeah. All the expectation is leveraged against the imagery 
um, that, that that you are that you are using. But you're absolutely right. You know, this notion of reselling the concept of being a fan on an annual basis is is a is a really archaic uh, situation that we need to move beyond. But also, when you start to understand how habit works in the human body. Um, you know, the, the, the most sort of modern thinking about it is you need to be doing something seven or eight times over the similar frequency for that to build up um, in terms of to get some robustness within your body itself. And so if we're doing that in a season ticket sense, you know, the, the gaps firstly are too big, you know, on an annual basis. Um, and like you say, it's always positioned around a, a sort of similar time. And sometimes you could have done really well. And sometimes you could have done absolutely terrible, which is why in the attendance data, we see this shift in sands, this tidal effect every single season, 50% up, 50% down, 50% up, 50% down. Um, and, you know, that's the best evidence out there that what the overall narrative of our fan base, what we've created as an industry, what we're responsible for is one that um, is pushing status. It puts status as its priority, not the reality that this could be a 60, 70, 80 year relationship, that you get a relationship with the place that you're from. You create great friends. You spend time with your family. And this is how you're going to build up your value base. And together, that's how that's how you're going to grow as, a, as an individual, as a group. Um, and that's why, you know, you know, there are a handful of clubs out there that operate that way. Um, and those fans of those clubs, they are having a better experience of being a fan than what other, other clubs are. I hope you enjoyed that edition of the Fan Engagement Pod. Coming up, we've got new editions of Baz Chat with Baz Schneider, where we focus on the front end of fan engagement. We've just published an episode on fan journey mapping and we'll be putting a new one out every month. We've also got new episodes of Did They Ask The Fans coming soon with some big guests planned. Please do like, subscribe and share the podcast. It really does help our visibility in a very crowded podcast world. Search Fan Engagement Pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah.